0: entrepreneur, speaker, and coach, Lucinda Carney.
1: Hello, and welcome to the HR Uprising podcast. Today, I'm really delighted to say that it's one of our conversations with series. And I have got a great guest, Adrian McDonough, who is actually the founder of EasyWeb Group. Uh, an expert in recruitment and I know this will be something that's really interesting I think to many of our HR colleagues out there particularly people who are in a solo role who've got to deal with recruitment um, or in a small team where actually getting the right resources and getting things happening um, can be challenging but actually if you're not in recruitment that's fine too because I know we're going to talk about talent and we're going to talk about candidate experience and lots of practical and innovative ways of of managing people and bringing them into an organisation. So, hello and welcome.
0: Welcome. Hi, Lucinda. Nice to be here.
1: Brilliant. Nice speaking to you. So, I guess, would you like to introduce yourself, maybe, to the audience if they haven't come across EasyWeb? Tell us a bit about the business and your background.
0: Yeah, sure. So, our story is, um, I started the business uh, as a recruitment business, one year outside of university. So I spent the next 10 years probably making every mistake possible. Um, it was almost proving the concept of uh, any idiot could run a business, run a recruitment business and I was trying to disprove that theory. Um, but eventually we worked out how to run a business and it's worked quite well. And then in 2005 we launched EasyWeb, um, initially as a recruitment advertising business, and then we worked out that uh, one of the key things we could offer was applicant tracking software. So we've built that into our service. So really our customers use our software and they use our advertising and recruitment agency services. And I suppose one of the best and interesting things I've done in the last few years was um, about 10 years ago, we started doing workshops. So we started doing um, face-to-face workshops for free and I've trained over a thousand HR professionals every year for the last 10 years. And that's been just enlightening. I've, I've enjoyed doing it, but it's also taught me so much about what's going on in the market.
1: I mean, that's one of the things that I, that's how we came to meet each other, really, that I'd heard from somebody who'd been involved in a webinar and also about the training that you do. And I, that's why I felt you'd be really interesting to people who listen to the HR Uprising because you have literally heard the pains of thousands of oh, yeah. HR professionals. What sort of things have you come across?
0: Well, I think ultimately, most of it comes out of time. I mean, certainly since, you know, 2008, recruitment HR teams, whether you've got an in-house recruitment team or a HR team, their resources are smaller. And they've got to do more with less. And I think they largely are through technology and, you know, lots of efficiencies. But the challenges are still there. And what I see now, particularly with HR professionals, is it's quite a complicated solution marketing, uh, sorry, recruitment, because you've you've got the advertising piece of it. You've got, you know, the marketing piece. You've got Glassdoor. You've got your employer reputation. And then there's an onboarding. And we're hearing more stories now, for example, where, you know, candidates have expectations about onboarding. You know, they're, they're disappointed if they're not, not wowed, but if they're not welcomed into the business with a bit of fanfare, then they're off to, the, off to a bad start.
1: I mean, that's, as you know, my background is learning and development. So I am completely ignorant, really, about recruitment. Uh, in terms of this, there's there's various bits of jargon, which I'd love you to enlighten me on, one of which would be candidate experience, which we hear about. Yep. And actually, we talked about this a bit earlier, so onboarding and how these things all link together. Um, so I guess actually, let's start with that. Could you enlighten me a bit on on what you're by things like candidate experience? Because this is why we're, they're saying that people, if they don't have the right candidate experience, you're losing them before they even enter the com- company even?
0: Yeah, so <clears throat> one of the things I talk about is on the workshops is how people look after customers. So you know, if you're trying to win a customer, you might be inviting them to Ascot and rolling out the red carpet. Or you know, there's a lot of effort that goes into customers for most most organisations, most businesses. Uh, And then you look at the effort that goes into candidates. The reality is, for most candidates applying to most jobs these days, they don't hear back. So uh, and the application process could be 15, 20 minutes, and they don't hear back at all. So many candidates take the view. Um, there's almost two types of candidates in a really simplistic format. Some candidates might just be marketing their CV out, and when something comes back, then maybe they'll have a look at it and give it a bit more due diligence. Um, or they're so active, they're just will take. In, they're looking for a job and they'll take a job. Yeah. Um, people come to my workshop. That's not their focus. They have. They do need those type of candidates for certain roles, but their focus is really those sort of discerning candidates, the harder to find candidates, the past, the more passive candidates. And they are really kicking the tyres of the car, checking out the organization quite heavily, um, more and more now, whether that's Glassdoor, contacts on social networks, before they make that important move, they want to make sure they've done a decent bit of work to make sure it's not, it's not just a, a leap into the unknown. So then your poor HR manager, recruitment manager, has got, you know, to present a whole picture, a whole story. And the organizations that do that fantastically well. I think startups do it really well. Typically because you've got like the founder, mm-hmm. it, it's, it delivers his or her story. And it's like, this is why we're here. This is the mission we're on. This is what we're trying to change. And that all comes across. And this is our culture. And this is our off- have pictures of our office. And this is us on social media. So they do it fantastically well. The big companies have big recruitment marketing teams. I don't think they do it anywhere near as well, but they have the capacity and they do do it. And then they, so they tell a story. And then, what our real focus is that what we call the everyday customers, the less well-known customers, that have got some fantastic stories out there, and people join those businesses without, you know, but, but hopefully we they can help we can help them to tell their story, and that's what one of the big drivers of my workshop is is really showing people how easy it is to do. And the smaller companies have big advantages about telling their story. We're sixty-five staff big. Telling our story is much easier than you know a, a huge organisation like IBM.
1: also because you're the founder so you've got your natural passion that you can get through to it but then so if i'm an hr person then i'm not necessarily the founder so it's how can i be as engaging and passionate or or even remember to i mean when you're saying that that actually a very high proportion of people don't even hear back um and i suppose in this context of war for talent or the, the fact that actually you're saying almost the more talented people the people we want to recruit the most are the least likely to be recruited, I guess, if if they don't have a good experience, that's that's the risk to us as recruiters. Yeah. So what um, I'm a, I'm a very busy person. I'm imagining one of the reasons I don't hear back is is it's, it's difficult for me as an HR person if I've got to respond personally. I'm assuming systems can do that, yeah, can the
0: they? Systems can, can can do all that quite easily. Even for people here's here's another example of a little candidate experience. So if you don't have a recruitment system, you probably have a generic email address like HR or Careers at insert name of company dot com, And um, when you ping that email to that, to that organization, it lands and you get an automatic, automated email back saying fairly you know, heavy legal, thanks for emailing the recruitment department. Um, here's our privacy policy, which is important to add in the GDPR world we live in. But they've really missed an opportunity. They take thousands of emails into that inbox yeah. every year and that automated email back, assuming they've got one set up, should have the privacy policy and the other key things. It should tell the candidate, Look, if you're emailing us about a job, this is what's going to happen next in really nice, easy to understand language. And then there's an opportunity to, like, and by the way, if you don't know much about us, here's a link to our CEO talking about this, or here's a link to our history of the business, or whatever else it is. So it's just taking, it's common each sense, and every and really, isn't it? It's
1: just taking that little bit of time to think of actually a touch point to the organisation for the candidate. You know, how can we make sure that that touch point is maximised? So you've only got to write yeah. that content once, haven't yes, you? And exactly. then it goes down, out every time. We
0: we'll refresh it once a year, but yeah, yeah. you're right. Yes. Be, um, and I think <laughs> you and you, you get out the post-it notes. A bit like your, your marketing team probably do this of a customer journey, uh, and they sort of say, right, so we here are the touch points of the journey, and like, and you do, you do the same as a candidate and think about like, what is the candidate journey? How can it be improved? And the thing is, as well is, this is where the, if it's a customer journey you're doing, you've got a highly competitive. Market to wow a customer, to get them to stop and go, wow, that was, I didn't expect that. That was a really nice touch. And often it isn't the expensive touch, it's the personal touch. Mm-hmm. With candidates, much easier, much easier to wow a candidate, send them a little card after an interview or whatever it is. It's much easier to sort of go, yeah, fantastic. You know, um, I was explaining to you when you come into our office uh, today yeah. that um, we have a little bio form. So when people, it sounds really, really dull when I describe it like that. So when people join EasyWeb, um, Um, one of our team members looked after it and developed the executioner, and it's really well so we send out a little information pack saying here are the other team members and you can read their bios so you can see who else you're gonna be working with and it's what they do how long they've been here that sort of stuff but it's also some of the funnier stuff like you know what's your what are their passions and interests outside of work or do they have pets or whatever else so hopefully when you join the team you sort of feel a little bit familiar with them a little bit you might already know a couple of people that you might Sure, you, it, yeah. yeah hopefully you get on more or not more, talk more, football
1: more, with it it's exactly
0: you know yeah. certain people that if it says cycling for example and you're not into cycling you know very few people have a mild interest in cycling in my experience that's true so, uh, yes. so, I'm married to one <laughs> okay so um, but yeah so what what we asked the new new employee to fill out is a tiny little form telling them about themselves so so um, and it's not a lie. We are doing it for them to have a bio for them for the future. But when they tell us, you know, I'm you know, passionate about this and my favourite snack is X, you know, my favourite biscuit is Jamie Dodgers, and um, if I've got one sporting team, it's this or something. And then from that wealth of information, we have a small budget. I don't actually know the budget. I think it's about £25, maybe, maybe slightly larger. And our team member who looks after it buys highly personalized products and gifts. Um, So that when they join day one, it's not just a standard EasyWeb notepad, EasyWeb bottle. There's a couple of nice little personal touches there. And I hope you're not
1: giving it away to your new staffer. That's because you've got someone arriving, haven't you? I saw the balloons today. Yeah, there's the two heroine. people have
0: arrived. Yeah, we put balloons up on the desk and stuff as well, which yeah. is great because people encourage them to go to their desk and talk to the new people and reminds oh, nice. you know reminds people there's new yeah. people here. Hopefully, you're not incredibly shy, but your first few days might be a bit tough. Yeah.
1: But yeah, it's, 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 a,
0: it's a nice touch, and I think that's the challenge. Is like the technology is great, mm-hmm. and I love technology, but it's how do you make where does technology step in and where does the personal touch step in.
1: But it is interesting because I just don't think it even crosses lots of people's minds. You know, I actually think you're doing quite a good job in terms of giving people a plan to start. And and I know I think back to, you know, managers that I used to work with and being a manager. It was almost like HR did the recruitment and then the person would rock up. And if you were lucky, they'd have an induction plan. And and, and it is really um, key because I also remember studies showing that your first six weeks in a company, your experience in that first six weeks determines exactly how long you stay so if you have a crap experience you are much more likely to leave (laughs) so I think it's it's inspired but you don't think about being personal about it that personal touch and getting that info I
0: guess the only challenge is if if there if the company has that level of personal touch and personalization is and you can see all the new people arriving and they're getting that great welcome that you had is that that journey continues do you do
1: things at birthdays and stuff as well then
0: one of the nice things, I think, we, I'll put it on here because then it will commit me to do it. One of the nice things I think we we'll want to do, it, but birthdays, um, we don't do so much. I think one-year anniversaries are thinking of doing, and one of the nice things we thought about doing was giving out book tokens to um, our staff's kids on their birthday, and we thought that would be a nice... We want to do something that's just slightly different, Yeah. so we thought that would be a nice touch, and obviously it obviously sort of goes with our ethos and values of, like, you know, ideally, with these book tokens, they will buy books rather than computer games. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah we, yes. We,
1: we, we celebrate anniversaries. Rather than birthdays, so That it was a kind of a strategic decision that we made. But it is—it becomes a, a job on itself again, isn't it? In yeah. terms of remembering when these are, especially these are, the HR your system. Rate.
0: The HR systems help you on that one, yeah. at least. That's that's a, maybe not the prime reason you buy HR <laughs> system, but it's certainly useful. Yeah.
1: Anniversary time, <laughs> great. And any other? So that was that was. Um, a bit make it personal is what we were saying there. In terms yeah. of bringing people on, is a good as a good tip. In terms of that, um, any other tips which you'd say in terms of. The the highest impact practice for an HR professional recruiting people in.
0: I think one of the things, one of the great things. I mean, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Simon Sinek. I, I'm guessing you might be a Simon Sinek fan. Yeah, a little bit. No, okay. Never heard about, of him. About, Better about, go and
1: look him up quickly. <laughs> about
0: um, he has, I think it's the third most watched TED talk. So okay. like. Um, but people are still discovering him. And I, I've watched the TED Talk and I watched on them recently and, I, and that, that it clicked for me. Uh, it was all about finding your why. Um, so um, we've done that as a business now. We're communicating that as a business. So like our staff are really on that journey with us and they're really on mission and they know what, our, our, what we believe and what our purpose is and how we're going to get there. So I think that whole thing, it comes through you know, across all of all of our staff, hopefully as well now. So the person who's looking after the onboarding will be, you know, positioning it perfectly and it will just be flowing through it will come through in our adverts so I think that's very very powerful so, that's, so
1: it's having a purpose and a vision a why to the business that, that yeah. you can then transfer on again uh,
0: and, and our why which you will know doubt have yeah. to ask me our why I don't know off verbatim yet which I should do because I'm normally I'm reading off a PowerPoint that I'm presenting um, but our why is in the general scheme of things it doesn't sound that exciting but, but we had to get something that was you know, we had to really address that. We worked with a consultant who just kept, we said, oh, our why is um, our original sort of concept. Why 1.0 for us would have been something like, um, we believe everyone, every organization should have the potential to deliver great candidate experiences. And um, the consultant we worked with that knew our business very well just said, that's not your why. And just come on, Adrian, really, why did you set the business up like this? Why did you do this? You know, what was the purpose of it? Why do you do this and you don't do that? And ultimately what we've come, we've come, come up with is we want to help um, everyday organisations, which is those mid-range organisations I mentioned, we want to help everyday organisations to compete against you know the very biggest and best recruiters in the marketplace, yeah. um, and not get ripped off. And that's our, bit. it's not very sexy, but it is um, it is what we do, yeah. and what we believe in. And by telling it to our staff, our staff go, well, yeah, that is what we do. Whereas if we said oh, we're all about candidate experience, they might say, well, we're about candidate experience, but are we all about candidate experience? So whatever you reside with, if you, if you go on that journey. It's got to be honest. It's,
1: it's got to be congruent, hasn't it? Because it's almost about, um, you could make up a why, which sounds like the sexy um, buzzword yeah. of the you know, HR being full of buzzwords, or you can come up something that's sincere, which actually people might buy into. And, and
0: obviously your why come to you while you were hiking up Kilimanjaro or yeah. something, you know, like the founder story that nobody believes anyway. So mm. that wasn't where our why, our why come from. It come from going to London, sitting in a room, and someone just... Saying no, that isn't your why, and just drilling, stripping an onion back yeah. further and further yeah. until until we got and we said, actually, it's nowhere near as sexy for me. But it, it, but that is it. so It's all about
1: making a difference, isn't it? Again, I mean, there's the why for the HR uprising that I was thinking about. Why are we doing? Why are we doing this? And and you know my story in terms of I've been in software, but actually I've always been a HR L and D person, and it was about getting real. And actually, I'm frustrated with hearing that. As a profession, HR, um, when I say HR, HR, Learning Development, OD, I mean everybody there. We are kind of always being told that we're not, not good enough, we're not credible enough, we're not evidence-based, we're not strategic enough. And I, and I then I go around, I've been around to all of the customers and I see that different sectors, people have got exactly the same problems and just feel that we ought to be able to collaborate. So for me, the why was actually, can we listen to real people in real businesses, you know, um, and, and fix some of each other's problems just learn from each other and get better because I mean I'm going to go home with three or four things that are going to make my business better just from chatting to you today
0: I've got a couple as well so raise
1: my game a bit um but I, I think there's lots there and we're often so busy we don't actually get chance to to understand to, to share that information so that was I that occurred to me was this why did we do this um and that's why why this has come about this podcast series as well so I guess the interesting thing is will people do things differently when they've heard them from each other and, I, and you've met lots of HR professionals um, you know do they put things into action that they learn from each other when you have them on the training course
0: I, in my experience I mean that's one of the things we're trying to do with our workshop is really sort of drill down and um, and now we're trying to do more more one to one stuff even we do that for free as well after the workshops with people that are ready that like the idea want to go ahead with that concept and want to just help them move it along to the, and get it into action or maybe bring me back into their organization then to talk to stakeholders to say, Adrian, can you just explain about candidate experience and what we need to do and why it's important to the CEO or whatever. Because um, that's one of my challenges is um, you know, I really want HR people to, you know, to be brave enough to do this. So for example, we do a lovely exercise in the workshop where we ask people like, raise your hand if you did something different in the last 12 months um that that failed (laughs) Uh, sometimes I don't add in that that failed but sometimes I do but very rare does anyone raise their hand to say yeah I tried something different um and I just I don't know is that you might know HR folk better than me is that because they're more rule followers than rule breakers and I, I, I I joke and say look if this was a marketing workshop everyone's hand would have been up saying well we tried to do this but it didn't work and we also tried to sponsor the I know the local kids football team or we tried to do this or we tr- you know, we tried yeah. these things. We tried video, we tried this, you know.
1: I, I, can't, I, I can't speak I, I, for everyone out there but I do think there are different cultures in different bits of HR um, and I always used to say in learning and development it was the fun bit of HR so you had much more freedom to try. So I think if you had lots of D people in there that's kind of, be, you've got more freedom to be creative. If you're operational HR I do think you have an awful lot of time you know, basically implementing process, and and you have almost completely different most motivation or have to you know be involved in doing that, and actually change type people are quite different from that. So maybe it's different personality types. I, I always imagined that recruitment was a bit more salesy. So yes, whether you have a slightly different fair. personality type, um, if you're recruiting for the, across the piece, but where I think the point that you're making there though is you were ending up having to come in and talk to CEOs or CEOs. The question that I don't know the answer to and what I really would dearly like is as a profession to help each other get better at is why are we not able to challenge the CEO? Why do they not listen to us when we're in the organization? You've got to get someone external to come in and, and talk to them. And you're a bloke. I hope it isn't a male female thing, I, I hope but there so is too. that a piece of that, isn't there?
0: Yeah, and it's, it's the bit that I, I know there's a question there, but I don't know the answer. Yeah. And, I'm, and I'm mindful of that. I'm trying to go on my journey, maybe not of a podcast, but I'll go on my journey to try and speak to people and find out the answers and try and get into those businesses and understand why it happens. And if we give them a few more tools and give them a bit more support, could we get them across yeah. the line? Because we really love to see them do that journey, and they'll get more from that, from us, and that, you know, because we don't charge for this. So then that will, you know, that will just put us in a better place with them. So we yeah. want them to have good actions. And
1: their own credibility will yeah. increase as well, because the value that they are bring to the organisation is higher. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. And I've, I've never worked in a big organisation. You know, the biggest organisation is 65 staff, which is my own company <laughs> now. So uh, I worked a year outside the university for a company slightly that's smaller than 65. So um, I don't fully get, I mean, I'm told about the politics and about getting decisions can take this long and this long, but I don't fully get it. And I think the other side of that coin is a lot of what we're talking about with candidate experience, we're talking about wowing candidates. So if take compare that to onboarding, where if the onboarding is not good enough, people will be upset and might even complain and say, oh, you know, raise a query to back to HR or something. If the candidate experience, the candidate experience won't be good in many, many organizations. So the candidates are used to that. So then the challenge becomes... This is a potential competitive advantage your organisation could have in a landscape you said is highly competitive. Why don't you take it? It's you know, and we can in the workshop we can remove all the obstacles, time, costs. You know, we can largely risk, we can largely remove or minimise most of those obstacles, but people still can't move forward in some cases or in many cases, and that's that's a frustration. So come along to my workshops, <laughs> and you'll have a lovely you'll have a lovely morning or afternoon. There's tea and coffee and biscuits. Uh, and you'll learn lots of great ideas and you won't implement them.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, well, that's a different criticism about training, though, isn't it? Hopefully you will. Obviously, well, I'm being a bit Yeah, hopefully they're very practical, but, you know, what do we take back from the training workplace? Um, completely different story. And incidentally, if you do want to go along to one of Adrian's workshops, um, all the details will be on the footer of the show notes. So we'll put links there for you to get or,
0: there. or it's easywebtraining.com. It's nice and easy.
1: Brilliant. So, okay, so we've talked about CEOs and how we persuade those and how we can... Implement stuff that we know, and how you can maybe help people. I don't know whether it's about courage or um, knowing what to do. And there's questions there we don't know the answer to. Uh, so moving on in terms of of our conversation, where do you see recruitment going? Would you say that it's, it's changed a lot in the time you've been involved, twenty odd years? What have the change has been, and what do you see coming in the next twenty odd years?
0: Yeah, I mean it's changed in twenty in twenty years, for example. Um, you know, just a quick history, it would be, you know, it was simple, it was simple and expensive. You advertised on local press or trade press, very expensive. You could label your job as almost anything because people are turning the page, they will see it. Um, it's that easy. So you want to label a job as sandwich artist, people will see it. Um, then obviously it went online to job boards, you label your job sandwich artist, it's all keyword driven, no one's gonna see it. So it's a very different entity. It's much cheaper, a um, bit more complicated, um, And now maybe we're a lot more efficient the recruiters are better the candidates are better at using the job boards and other tools but now we've got this latest trend of you know being able to see that much further into businesses with sites like glassdoor and you know and you can get reviews on indeed and obviously social networks now give us much more reach out into you'll all know someone who worked there and you better reach out and get stories or find out what goes on behind the scenes so it's a much more, much more complex landscape,
1: and expectations are higher, basically as well. People. I'd say,
0: yeah, yeah. I one of the nice things that I do like this as well is, um, you know, people will give organisations a chance. So you know, people will work. Many people listen to this, and many of my friends and family work for organisations they've never heard of before, and there, there isn't a snobbiness about, you know, if you work for a company called ABC Widgets, people say, well, what did they do then? It's like, and that's the mindset of many candidates. It's like they won't rule you out just because you're not a household name question is and we all get frustrated looking at websites if we can't find the information we want quickly and it isn't engaging we leave
1: do you have a view on yeah you bring someone in and do you think they're fantastic and they come in open-minded as ABC widgets yet sometimes they can end up being disengaged or negative within a culture do you have a view on why that happens or how that happens or how to prevent it
0: yeah I mean I suppose it can happen for a bunch of reasons I I think We're very transparent. I think you were making a reference to me earlier that I did a um, uh, a little test on unconscious bias, and it showed that I had a moderate bias towards white people. Um, and I published that as an update on LinkedIn, and it was brave, or I don't know what the word you said was, but uh, that's just how we are as a business. It's just we are just transparent. We don't. We're quite comfortable in our own skin, not literally, obviously, but we're we're, we're happy telling our story, putting stuff out there, being honest. And I think so. We've got a very open culture, and I, one of the problems is I've only worked in this one business, really. So we've got a very open culture, um, and we like to think that people can come to us, will come to us. Um, yeah. And do they always? Have
1: you ever had? At the moment,
0: we're on a crazy journey the last couple of years. We haven't lost many people in the last couple of years. Um, We've lost a few people that have been good um, and they go on, in many cases, to be customers and it's a good time to leave. You know, there's the normal, you know, in some areas, the career development may not be able to keep up with the, the opportunity may not be there when the person's ready and and that happens in small companies, I guess. Um, But largely, we're able to keep up with that um, aspiration. Yeah, we do. We do pretty well. I, we're, we're, yeah, compared to what we were doing. I mean, our numbers back in the day were not good. We, we were Recruitment is hilarious when you think of how bad they are at recruitment and retention. Um, <sighs> so, you know, every recruitment business is pretty terrible at right. it. So, yeah, we we found our way. And I don't, it's not that strategic. We've just... We're a better company. People want to work for a better company. We tell, we tell our story. We know our story. People believe in what we're doing. And we're honest. It's like we are what we say we are. There's no point... As I said at the start, there's no point putting up this big fanfare and telling your story and putting it all out there and the people join and it's somewhat different.
1: I was, yeah, so you set the expectations up and you've got your balloons and your huge why, and then the <laughs> yeah. actual experience is it's not true, it's, yeah. then that's almost more disappointing probably. Than and, I,
0: and I think the challenge is, and certainly in bigger companies as well, is like that may be honestly your experience. Like you may sit in HR or and the team is great and you love your colleagues and you're there for 10 years and you, you know the MD and you remember when it was a 50 staff company and now it's gone to 1,500. But it may not be everyone else's experience. Yeah. It may not be the call centre, outbound call centre team's experience. And those are challenges, you know, because you've got to you've got to represent fairly.
1: Well, yeah, because actually the experience becomes about the direct line manager, doesn't it? So yeah. you're now six people, you've got line managers. It's they can't get that experience yeah. automatically. And on
0: honest, putting put my CEO—I know oh, Sean's the CEO, but my, <laughs> I'm the founder. But putting my uh, founder hat on, I would—a bad employee, you've got to just get them out of business. Yeah, it's not—it's not good for you. It's not good for you. It's not good for them. Uh, I think we were talking before, open and honestly, about. Um, Uh, you know, we've got 250 clients. We we have a a certain client at the moment. I won't say that. I'm not that transparent. (laughs) But we have one client and I I had a conversation over there and said, I don't think this is working for you. You know, this isn't working for us having you complain about the software not being the right type of software for you. And they they probably should have done a better job of their own due diligence in our job. And I'm sure there's things we could have done better as well. But, you know, we'd rather be open and honest with a a customer and say, look, you've got a two-year contract. Why don't we just tear it up? You know, we don't need that customer. They don't need us. There are other providers out there. There are other customers out there for us. If it's not working, then let's agree an amicable way to depart. And it's the same of an employee, so
1: particularly, you're being...
0: particularly this size. Yeah. You know.
1: So again, that's about being open though, isn't it? Yeah. But being courageous enough to say it as it is. And linking back then to HR who might be recruiting people, maybe there's something here about that, actually giving feedback to the candidate who wasn't the right candidate and, yeah. it, at the time and yeah. um, managing that feedback process. And again, I don't think, lots of people say you don't get feedback very often from those yeah. sorts of things. I mean, are there ways in which you can advise people how they could do that more easily or more effectively or efficiently?
0: Yeah, so we're putting our, because we're, we're very, very focused on candidate experience, the software is going to be very much positioned around a, a candidate experience product. It's all about you know a, a product your candidates will love and will help you, to get candidates to love your organization. and um, So we can't take that standpoint and be a bit dodgy and be a bit inconsistent in our experience. So one of the things we're putting on our website shortly is a candidate charter. We're literally just agreeing it with each of the managers. We can't impose it on them. We've got to say, look, this is, remember our mission, guys. This is what we're doing. Are you all on board with this? Could you keep to these SLAs? Because we're publishing them out there and we're putting it front and center for the candidates and telling them, if you apply, you'll get feedback within two working days. It may not be a decision on an interview, but you'll get at least, yeah, we like your profile. You've been somewhat shortlisted. You're on the shortlist as a potential interviewee. Give us a bit longer. We will come back to you in due course. And then we won't take too much longer than that. It'll have things like interview feedback, just clear and honest interview feedback. If there's a reason you're not moving someone forward, it's we, would, we just believe in being honest. Not brutally honest. It might have to frame it in a nice way, but hopefully that will still communicate the important message that, that candidate needs for the next interview
1: yeah given uh, a specific reason. reason and i'm thinking again then it for if i was an hr professional re- responsible for recruitment quite often you then have a dependency on line managers so they might be involved with that recruitment yeah. process so that i like that idea of the management charter is actually going you know, you are working in partnership if your hr with the line manager to get them yeah. that candidate Setting expectations, contracting with your your managers, and saying this is what you need to do. If you want to make sure that I can bring you quality candidates, you've got to make sure they have a quality experience. And part of that is, you know, turning it around and whatever it is you agree, your two day turnaround time, etc. Quality feedback
0: and and surveying the candidates as well. Surveying yeah. the candidates, at interview, um, after interview, every every single candidate, and in, and obviously encouraging them to post on Glassdoor and just being open and transparent. Now that's what you probably do that once you're more comfortable that you've. I out any sort of foibles in your process, yeah. and then when you're think, yeah, we've got a great process here. Now let's encourage these candidates to um, to go and post on Glassdoor. And I, I think the key thing there is timing. Encourage them to do that nice and quickly, because um, <laughs> then the actual decision interview is a natural thing. Like you know, the decision interview might you know pollute that verdict. You know, so they might be about to write a fairly reasonable thank you it as a nice interview type um, review on Glassdoor. And then if they feedback that you've not been selected for X and Y reason, they might be like, particularly if you're giving clear and honest feedback, because clear and honest feedback is you've got to be brave to do it. You may be causing yourself an extra yeah. couple of headaches there, but we just believe in it and think, yeah, this is, you know, we're going to tell you this. If you don't want to take it on board, that's fine. But we want to tell you how you've come across to us and what our perception was, and it might be wrong, and but we're going to we're nice guys, and this is why we're doing it.
1: Makes sense. All right. So in terms of. We're going half an hour, so I've got a couple more questions, if that's all right. Okay, yeah. um, One of them loops back to something we referred to earlier, as you said, and it is linked to you being open and honest. Yes, you'd. I saw that you posted on LinkedIn that you'd gone through um, a bias questionnaire or something, yeah, and you said you're, you're slightly biased there. And I noticed you're talking at the CIPD um, on this topic, yes. I think, is bias and diversity. What's What would be relevant to share to this audience? Some tips there about how we can reduce unconscious bias or increased diversity, whichever angle you want to take it from.
0: Yeah, so um, my particular focus of that day will be on the the, the use of technology in in that. So we'll be talking about elements like video interview. Talking about blind CVs, and so a lot of this technology is. I mean, obviously, video interviews are here. Um, our video interview provider that we use, um, I'll give them a plug, called Shine um, Video Interviews. Um, most providers, I think, have the same capacity to do blind video interviews. So you can take the video interview, and you can you know not show the person's face and not show the person's name, and actually. You know, and just listen listen back to their answers. I, and take, then, I can ask a
1: really basic a, question? What's the point of video if you're not going to see them?
0: Well, you can then watch the video later on if you wish, and right, it helps so you, you confirm. But yeah. also, it's um, it's a more natural thing for the candidate. The candidate doesn't know they're not going to show their visuals. They're going to get the audio, a bit like a podcast. If you said to the candidate, we're going to do a podcast interview, it's like, now that's, that, that's a bit confusing for them, maybe. So they still have a natural experience and see how they're coming across, but you just don't show that part if you want to. And what I'm, um, I guess one of the things I'm suggesting is, is if you do video interviews, then maybe trial doing that and see if the results are different because that's the, that's the biggest test of whether there is a bias. See if there's a, a, a bias there uh, at all. And one of the things I really like with video interviews, it's not quite about diversity, is the idea that if you know you're not gonna bring certain people in for interview typically and it's an, a role where there's about communication skills and the softer skills that are not on CVs, um, then maybe Shovel a few video interviews out there to a few people to say, look, why don't you give us a quick showcase of yourselves? And then it's not, you know, hopefully you, bring a, you find a bit more of the hidden talent. So I, I like the idea that video interviews are not just about making the process slicker and maybe getting a chance to see more people, but maybe getting a chance to see people you wouldn't have otherwise considered. If you've got a graduate management scheme and you only get 20 people to assessment day, well, let's video interview 100. And I bet you change your view on who's coming to the assessment day.
1: So actually, bring it, almost widening your pool. Basically.
0: Yeah, I mean, that, that's the beauty of video interviews. But so the mm-hmm. diversity thing is, yeah, it's interesting. There's a lot. There's a lot of stuff going on there. But the, the technology is out there at the moment to like take the CVs, parse the CV, break each CV down into it, recognize each individual component. This is not even AI. It's much simpler than that. And then to rebuild that CV in a new format, which could be a blind format, hence. You could remove the names of educational establishments, you could remove um, details like religions and hobbies and interests and obviously names and date of births, and it just becomes about skills and experience. So um, that's something we're not far off, but it's out there and lots of people are able to do it as well. And what we want to do is we want to be able to bring that into the market, into the mid market where lots of companies of 100 staff or so would never have the capacity to do it. We want to at least, and then they, they may not even think about those things and then like show them it and educate them and say, look, why don't you try doing this? You might find you have a much better interview process and you might solve your own diversity issues.
1: Mm. One um, large company that I worked with, that I don't actually know how their impact of this, but they decided with their diversity that they were actually going to bring in, sort of pos- positively discriminate or force that the people they would bring to interview would be diverse. Yeah, uh, And then then I guess they could find out whether it was then the interview that was, whether it was the applications yeah. that, that was making the difference or whether it was actually the process they were going through. I yeah. actually don't know my answer so to that. So it's a bit
0: like what they call the, the Rooney rule, uh, right. which comes from the NFL in American football, where every head coach, I think it's every coaching position, had to have at least one minority candidate. Um, and they viewed that that was you know, a good way of bringing more minority candidates through. Um, so it's about
1: I, bringing the candidates in, isn't it? So yeah. it's, not, it's not the same as quotas, is it? Because it's not forcing them into exactly. there, but it's making yeah. sure you're having those that, people to choose from.
0: And I think they might have the same thing, or they've certainly discussed it in, in in the Football Association as well, now in the Premiership as well, where they're going to have at least one candidate interviewed for minority. But I think they're missing a trick. If you look at the... Um, I'm a bit of a football fan, but if you look at the... Um, the prevalence of black football managers let's say or even you know um, asian football managers you know people that are, the, the propensity of number of them, percentage of them in the game is crazy if you want to, in a world of competitive advantage you want a competitive advantage it just seems obvious go out and find the black manager because most of them are overlooked mm. so you know it's it's probably that simple it, it, you see all the stats about moneyball money and how to sort of try and predict a better player the is like well there's a clear advantage there for people in a, a competitive sports world but you know it's not about competitive advantage it's about fairness and opportunity you know and my um i'm lucky my my mum come over from ireland in the 1960s um and tells me there were signs up in london saying no dirty irish but largely i mean every immigrant population has suffered that um but every you know as an immigrant population the irish or the polish whoever we're okay because we assimilate very fast because we look like everyone else now but it's not as easy for everyone else so yeah.
1: Hmm. This is a bit of a random one. that just occurred to me when you were asking. Is, have you got any tips on great questions if you were interviewing? Or See, other I don't think I'm. Them?
0: I don't think I'm that good at interviewing. <laughs> <laughs> I did an interview the other day on a Friday afternoon, and um, it was wrong candidate. And uh, this is not answering your question at all. Uh, and we we just had a lovely chat, and we were, we were we were talking about the role, and we were just talking about our kids, and we we're talking about this and that and the other, and um, and we finished off playing a game of pool. So I then said the second interview um, to my colleague, who's the line manager, I said, I'm not... Ask she,
1: them some questions. Yeah,
0: she's <laughs> a lovely lady. She's fantastic personality. I can, get, I can guarantee her personality is great. She's got the experience you want. And We covered that quite quickly. Maybe go over it in more detail and see how you get on. I think I was probably just too relaxed on a Friday, and I don't normally do interviews on my own. I normally, do, there's two people there. And my colleague came back and had exactly the same experience and said, "Oh, we just got off subject." And she was just so lovely, and we just chatted. And she is, you know, she's just such a great fit for us. It was like, you know, but hopefully we still covered enough of the process. (laughs) So yeah, in answer to your question, I don't think you haven't got any wonderful questions. No, I I see. I think I'm good at I'm good at the sort of uh, my expertise is all about bringing the person in, like getting the talent, attracting them, marketing to them. And then when you said like, uh, do, uh, do you do really good interviews here? I mean, I think we do a good interview day. But I think maybe the HR community would be better at sticking to competency-based interviews and the scoring and the process and the, the fairness of how they do it and the rigidity of how they do it. As a small company, we're probably, I'm gonna keep using that as an ability, we're probably not as structured as we, we'll probably go on a little journey soon now and get a bit more structured and a bit more systematic in the way we score and rate candidates to make sure we're being absolutely fair. At the moment, we sort of say, yeah, I really like that person. I think they'll be really good or I'm not so sure about X or Y, but it's not probably the environment you're more used to, I guess.
1: Well, it's interesting. Um, I'm just thinking certainly the evidence or the academic research, but I'm going back 20 years, I haven't looked at it recently, was that structured interviews are better in getting consistent candidates yeah. coming through, whether it's video or otherwise, that's structured. So you should have some structure. Interesting though, in an environment this size, maybe it is about cultural fit, maybe you need both. Yeah. Although you, you, someone would probably say, you've got halo effect going on, hopefully this person is going to be wonderful um, in terms of <laughs> she, that.
0: She has started, she, she's, she good? She's, she's on day two. <laughs> okay. I, met, I, I, I caught up of them yesterday. No uh, pressure. So yeah, so, so far brilliant, you know, <laughs> an amazing employee,
1: that, I mean, T- like, turned up on
0: day two, brilliant.
1: <laughs> that can be part of the battle. I mean, the interesting thing, though, I I think there is it's about um, differences that you've identified that actually maybe in a recruitment team, if you are lucky enough that you've got a range of people involved in the recruitment process, that um, you're, you know, you're part of the candidate experience. You're part of the wow and making sure you can tell the story. Someone else might be know to sit alongside you might be the person who makes sure you follow a structure and that might be our, yeah. our best way of doing things playing to people's strengths in terms of the recruitment process
0: yeah and we know we know our psychometric profiles here quite well so i'm i'm sort of uh, high i high d if you know you're thomas or yeah, I'm, we do color so i'm red yellow so my colleagues are more blue maybe and possibly mm-hmm. even green they're better listeners and they're more diligent and they're more thorough so um yeah so, so, so sit so with it's somebody of the opposite Exa- color exactly yeah yeah
1: yeah, that makes sense because we're both roadie yellow. I think um, we've probably gone <laughs> off at a tangent. And I guess on, on that note, I think that's, it's been really fascinating talking to you, Adrian, and as we had a really great chat before and probably afterwards. Yes, um, I
0: think we could talk all day. And my, <laughs> my first podcast as well has so been great. It's been easy.
1: Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. And so we'll look forward to getting it out there and... Um, and and obviously for those on here this is Adrian McDonough of um, EasyWeb Group thank you very much uh, for being part of the HR uprising. and uh, any other information I'll stick on the show notes and links to the site as well so maybe take advantage of your training and and look at what you guys do
0: excellent thank you Alison the good luck uh, viva la revolution with the uprising
1: (laughs) that's it absolutely right brilliant thank you Thank you for listening to the HR Uprising podcast. You can access more information, including resources or links mentioned in the show at our website, www.hruprising.com. Also, you might want to join our LinkedIn community or tweet to us at HR Uprising. We'd love to hear from you.